This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the door report episode 246 on a sad cold not lovely Monday evening October 30th 2023 I am Will Byram joined by I think Trevor Hewlin as always with a very important message to get out to Commodore Nation on episode 246 here the old miss recap here at the door report we are powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S.com. And Trevor, we have, I don't want to say brief, I also don't want to say beefy, the Vanderbilt Ole Miss recap. The doors fall 33-7 to Ole Miss. We also have me and Trevor's three key takeaways and a very quick Auburn preview and a very quick prediction segment for the Auburn preview. But this episode is going to be more of a state of the program, state of the union. We are currently in eternal purgatory, Trevor. How are you currently feeling? Well, I've got some things I'd like to say. Trevor, First, oh, go ahead, sir. A lot of people think that the revolution will not be televised. As you can see by my attire, it will indeed be televised. I would like to read a manifesto that is prepared for Vanderbilt Nation, if I so might will. This is dedicated... To not just anybody, this is dedicated to our dearest equipment staff. On behalf of the fan base, who at no point agreed to let either Will or myself represent the fan base, we would like to request a return of the glorious, goaded, gold jerseys. To quote famous actor Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Sometimes you got to go back to actually move forward. Moreover, per the Dalai Lama, quote, facts don't care about your feelings. But here are three cold facts for you, Vanderbilt equipment staff. Per CBS News, gold is a great investment in the wake of the declining economy. If you apply this theory to Vanderbilt football season, breaking out the gold jerseys would be a proverbial Clark Clint 
saving Lewis Lane from a burning building. Fact number two. Rome was the greatest empire in the world until Gaul showed up. Guess what colored was featured on Gaul's flags as they stormed the gates of Rome? Gold. Fast forward a couple of years. Vanderbilt won back-to-back gold bowl games after introducing the gold jerseys and prevailed in the Music City Bowl wearing the gold jerseys. Finally, the Vegas Golden Knights just won the Stanley Cup playoffs. Gold medals equal first place. It cannot be a coincidence. Gold wins games. Fact number three. During the games, the Vandy fans become bastions for the doors and spark fear into the unwieldy opposing fans when the black, gold chant starts. The best chant in all the nation, I might add. When chanted, I've seen opposing fans cower into the fetal position as I rise like a phoenix out of the flames when they notice that the chant is only at half strength. That the gold is merely a gilded battle cry. We do not embrace the gold. Based on the empirical undisputed evidence, we are respectfully requesting you bring back the gold jerseys. You are our last hope. The season is over. We're not going to a bowl game. This has been a failure. But there's one thing that can bring the juice back. There's one thing that can bring the mojo back. And you know what that is. So we are respectfully requesting, on behalf of the entire fan base, give us hope. We are in hell. Deliver me to the pearly gates, and let me see those golden streets. Amen. Amen, and God bless. Before we get to the rest of episode 246, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trevor, we are back. Indeed. You are unmasked. The manifesto has been read. Phoebe seemed to object a little bit to your reading of that manifesto. Overall, how would you rate your delivery of the manifesto for gold jerseys? Given that my glasses kept falling off this mask and it was too small for my big face and that my cat just kept clawing me, I feel like the delivery is pretty solid. I feel like it's pretty solid. I mean, I would give that a solid like IMD B rating with, of course, the factors relating to it of a cat trying to peel the mask off of your face. 
I'm going to give that like a, a 7.8. There we go. I mean, just, to re- just, just for reference, Mr. Nobody with Jared Leto's is 7.7. Great film. Nobody cared until I put on the mask. It's a different movie. It is good. a different but movie, good, but, but good great film reference. reference. Great, great film reference. Different movie. I was. I, you did you watch my brain just try to process I through did. that movie? I did. And yes. Like, that's not, yes. That's, different film. That's uh, from Dark Knight. That yes, yes. Different film. Yeah. I was really thrown off by that, but Trevor, I agree with every single word written in that manifesto. The season is over. Yep. It's over. I think it was already over before this Ole Miss game, but this was the death knell. This was the final nail in the coffin. Vanderbilt falls 33-7 to to the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss moves to 7-1 and on the season, 4-1 and in conference with their only loss coming to Alabama. Vanderbilt moves to 2-7 and on the season, 0-5 in conference. Granted, two relatively winnable games are on the horizon against Auburn and South Carolina, but... Sitting at two and seven, bowl, bowl chances are obviously off the table. What even, if you're in that locker room, what is the message to the team at this point? I don't know. Play. I mean, <laughs> Clark Lee's whole mantra of, of the brotherhood. I guess you, I guess you play for the brotherhood now. No, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you play for the brotherhood. There are some little rumors swirling around regarding some possible transfer portal news related to the quarterback situation. I'm sure we'll get to that. But at this point, I mean, even the players have to know that most of the staff is going to be gone after this season. Yeah. It's not going to be an entire change of the entire staff. I mean, head coach Clark Lee is still going to be there. Barton Simmons is still going to be there. But as far as the coordinators, position coaches, you would think the players are aware that the house is going to be cleaned. Yep. I mean, 75% of the staff is probably going to be gone after yep. the season. With the most important ones at the coordinator position, I would imagine. Yeah, so it's a weird dynamic right now. Players are going to have to decide in their own minds, am I playing for film for the transfer portal, or am I playing for film for next season uh, under a new coaching staff? I, I think that's kind of a tough spot to be in. But like I said, doors fall 33-7. to that final score probably looks a little bit better than it could have or should have been. Ole Miss did not stomp on Vanderbilt or, or step on Vanderbilt's throat in the second half of that game. There's really no point. Do you see a point in doing a recap like we usually do of, of a play-by-play of this game? No. Vanderbilt got thoroughly dominated in the first half. They were down yep. 26 to nothing heading into halftime. The game was all but over. It never felt close. It, it never felt close. Ole Miss came out and immediately drove down the field and scored within two minutes or three minutes of the start of that game, and the onslaught was on. Mm-hmm. I mean, from that point forward, you knew Vanderbilt was outmatched. Coming off the bye week, I expected more out of the staff as far as game plan goes, but I'm not going to bore everyone out there with the recap. The recap is Vanderbilt got dominated, and we're lucky that that final score only ended up being 33-7. to yeah, and that's and that's another thing too. Coming out of a bye week, this is the best you have. G- game plan wise, this is the best you have. Two weeks to prepare, and this is what you deliver. This is what you deliver. It, inexcusable, absolutely inexcusable. I Vanderbilt has had injury issues. Okay, I will give them that, but those injury issues have been. On defense Mm -hmm. and outside of AJ Swan with the elbow contusion that's still holding him out. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. If you're, if you're not watching, I'm heavily air quoting because I I'm fully of 
the strain that that is absolute bullshit. Why are there birthday balloons? I don't know. What I are don't, these this random is... animations popping up? If you're not watching the video, you should be. because We have a thumbs up, and now we have balloons. StreamYard is just inserting random, random clips. Yeah, clip random art. overlays of, I don't even know, like a moat. What do you call that? Just, I don't know. I don't, I emotes. have no just idea. random emotes yes. being inserted. What was I even talking about, Trevor? The birthday balloons. Um, AJ Swan's, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say oh, it, fake injury. His fake injury. AJ Swan's fake it's injury. It's not his fault, but it's for the coaching staff perpetuating a fake injury. Like, yeah. just don't lie to us. We're not dumb. Let's go through the box score, and then we can get into me and your reaction to the game. I, we'll still do three key takeaways, but the three key takeaways are going to be a lot broader, mm -hmm. and I think just discussing where this program's at. But for now, let's run through the box score here. Ken Seals played the first half of the game. I think played the when did he when did they change quarterbacks? Um I believe it was before halftime. Okay. Before, before halftime. I left my parents' house at halftime and drove back home and watched on my phone as I was driving, hooked up to not holding it. I was not watching. Of course I wasn't doing that while driving. But I was watching it while driving and then when I got home I watched the remainder of the game, but I just couldn't stand and stomach watching this joke of a program trot out onto the field right now. I also left my I left my parents' house at halftime as well and I listened to Andrew Allegretta on the radio and then I just I turned it off. Like I I really did turn it off. I was like I can't do this. A pretty disgusting display from Vanderbilt. Just overall, the effort was pretty gross. The execution was gross. The game plan was gross. I think all across the board, there is plenty of blame to mm -hmm. be spread around this coaching staff and the players. And I don't think a player or anyone on the coaching staff could possibly disagree with that statement. Mm -hmm. But let's get into the stats here. Let's start on the Ole Miss side. Jackson Dart, relatively middle-of-the-road stats, throwing the football 19 of 28 for 240 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 36.7 QBR. Running the ball, Quinchon Judkins, like you specifically said, but I think we both said ran all over the doors. Yep. 17 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns with a long of 40 yards, an average of 7.3 yards per carry. Ole Miss is back up running back, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Seven carries for 42 yards, six yards per carry. Uh, actually, Jackson Dart really didn't run all over the doors. They did a pretty good job containing him. So that was one of my keys. Didn't help. So that key was wrong going in, going into the Ole Miss game. That did not help them. Quinshawn Judkins, like you predicted, ran rampant over this Vanderbilt defense without C.J. Taylor. Ole Miss receiving. Dayton Wade, eight catches, 120 yards and a touchdown. Trey Harris, six catches, 67 yards. Uh, Jordan Watkins, three catches for 44 yards. Flipping to the Vanderbilt side. Let's start with the quarterback position. We mentioned that Vanderbilt made a quarterback change halfway through the game. Wasn't a fan of that. Nope. We will get into <laughs> we, that yep. in a second. I think that was that was watching a coaching staff panic yep. and implode. That was that was fucking high school level mm -hmm. from this staff. Absolutely embarrassing and pathetic to change quarterbacks after a couple bad drives from Ken Seals. A few bad drives. Just throw in the towel on him, just yep. like you did with A.J. Swan. Just like you did you with You better AJ. not fucking make mistakes. Just like Clark you did with Lee Mike Wright. Lynch. Just like you did with Mike Wright. You better not make a mistake at the quarterback position or Clark Lee and Joey Lynch are benching your ass if you have one bad half. It's over. It's bulk. It's over. Yep. 
doesn't like matter. they did with Ken the first time. So, yeah, doesn't matter if you've executed everything exactly how they have asked. No, if you have one bad half of a performance, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done, idiot. But I'm not even a big Ken Seals fan. That's it, but as once far again, as play. a disservice no, no. to Ken. I'm a big Ken Seals fan. Yes, I'm not a big fan personally. of being the starting quarterback on this team. I know AJ Swan is whatever bullshit injury they're talking about. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of him being the starter. With that said, he's the best option by far, unless you've completely given up on this season. Yeah. And that showed to me that this staff has completely given up on team three. Yeah. It is completely thrown in the towel to the future. Let's read through the stats. I'm not saying Ken came out and performed well at all. Ken Seals and his uh, shortened playing time, four for eight, 22 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. 12.7 QBR. Not good. Hello, Phoebe. <laughs> Walter Taylor. Came in, was being uh, fellatioed by the entire Vanderbilt fan base <laughs> yeah, as, if, as if he came out and had a Will Levis four-touchdown passing performance. I've Sp- never seen anybody react. To- he, he didn't look good. No, he looked, he looked awful. He should have had two picks. It, he Look, he, Walter Taylor looked good running the football, and I'm going to hit on that yeah. when we get to the running game because I have an interesting trivia stat I'm going to ask you, Trevor. But Walter Taylor was 4 for 12 for 38 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception with a 14.4 QB. And should have had another interception. And should have had two interceptions. He looked like he did not have the accuracy to be a starting quarterback. He was asking the offensive line, did you see that during the one huddle? He's like, they're talking to him being like, hey, we got to go through this. We got to. And even the broadcast was like, that is unusual. That like the you the quarterback tells the offensive line what to do. The offensive line does not tell the quarterback, hey, this is how we're going to. Insane. I insane. don't. He did lead Vanderbilt down the field on their only touchdown drive against Ole Miss. So I'm going to give Walter Taylor credit there. He is not the answer no. at quarterback. He's not the answer this season. He's not going to be the answer next season. And he's not the answer the season after that. That's my hot take. I agree. I so, agree. Sorry if that's harsh to everyone out there. What did you think about the quarterback change? Or do you want to save that for the takeaways from the game? I mean, I thought it was, I totally agree. That was the coaching staff. As if they haven't already thrown in the towel on the season by not trotting AJ Swan out there this game. Um, because he could have played. Like we don't we don't have insider information. Let's just call it what it is. He could have played. Also, too, he's been in pads yeah. the past couple of games. And now you take him out of pads. Dude, that's not how elbow contusions work. That is a clear hey, look. that is a clear you just throwing in the towel and being like, whatever. You had an opportunity. I get it. The statistics aren't there. You were projected to lose. I think Ole Miss had like a 98% chance of winning. You're at six losses. You're you're you still have a pulse. You have a, a teeny tiny pulse, and you don't put your best option out there when your back's against the wall. That's throwing in the towel. And then to do a disservice to Ken like that, to bring in bring in Walt. Um, you're like, we needed to move the ball. Yeah. Maybe open up the playbook. Maybe open up the passing game. That's another way. Instead of trotting out Walt Taylor. Yeah, maybe allowing Ken more than eight total pass attempts, most of which were behind the line of close to or behind the line of scrimmage outside of a bad decision by him that resulted in an interception. Guess what? That's that's going to happen. Yeah. If you have a quarterback, the best quarterbacks in the country occasionally make a bad decision. 
every now and then. I don't think Ken Seals is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I don't even think he's the best quarterback on this roster. But holy shit, that was a quick hook yep. for a guy that you've been glazing in every single media comment you have made yep. to pull him after a bad first, after one bad half. Yeah. It's over. Just crazy. We'll get into that more in our three key takeaways. Let's go to the rushing stats. Walter Taylor was the leading rusher. 20 carries, 59 yards, and one touchdown run. Three yards per carry. Sacks obviously count into that. A.J. Newberry looked good in his limited time. Three carries for 30 yards. Cedric Alexander, seven carries for 26 yards. Patrick Smith, three carries for 20 yards. Gillespie. The resurgence of Chase Gillespie. Randomly back in the rotation, three carries for 14 yards. And Jaden McGowan, two carries for 21 yards. Matt Hayball, one carry for two yards. I have a trivia question for you, Trevor. Ooh. When was the last time Vanderbilt had a rushing performance from a player of 50 plus yards. Key. I'm Mike Wright last year, I would imagine. No, it's actually not that far back, but it's still pretty far back. It's against Wake Forest. Patrick Smith, 10 carries, 77 yards. God. That was the last. Vanderbilt has not had a player <laughs> rush for more than 50 yards <laughs> since the third game of this season. This was the ninth <laughs> game. Break 100. This was the, uh, yeah, not 100 plus yard just rusher, 50. just 50. That's not a big ask. It's been six games since Vanderbilt has had a player rush for over 50 yards. And it was your fucking backup quarterback in a half of play. How awful is this running scheme mm-hmm. that it cannot produce a 50 yard rusher? Yep. I, you know I'm a big Jimmy's and Joe's guy, mm-hmm. okay? I think that that factors in more than any scheme, especially at the college level, or as much as any scheme. But I'll, I'm going to go with more, especially at the college level. There's something wrong with the scheme. Yeah. It's not just Jimmy's and Joe's at this point that Vanderbilt can't produce a 50-plus yard running back. Yep. Because this was a quarterback. This was off quarterback sneaks, Ole Miss not being prepared for a running quarterback, and it worked with no preparation. Yeah. Because I know Ole Miss was not ready to face Walt Taylor. Yeah. In their wildest imagination, they didn't think that Vanderbilt was going to pull out Walt Taylor willingly. And, he, and clearly Walt Taylor didn't have control of the full offense and could not run the full playbook. No. And they were they were limited to packages with Walt Taylor, and it showed. It really showed after that first drive with him uh, running the quarterback. So the running game, pitiful again. We'll go to receiving. Junior Sherrill, the leading receiver, two catches for 28 yards. Will Shepard, four catches for 17 yards. Cam Johnson, one catch for 13 yards, and Chase Gillespie, one catch for two yards. That's it. That's the entire receiving stats. Jaden McGowan didn't have one fucking catch. Quincy Skinner Jr. didn't have one fucking catch. London Humphreys didn't have one fucking catch. Sorry for the F-bombs, but I can't even fathom how lazy and stupid Joey Lynch is to come out with this game plan after two weeks to prepare. And you come out with a worse game plan than we've seen in previous weeks 
unfathomable how criminally underutilized the playmakers that are available on this offense absolutely are being used on a week-to-week basis it's crazy how bad joey lynch is at his job go back to colorado state you bum the the way and i think this is this is overall in the season too the way they have specifically utilized Jaden mcgowan or i can't say utilized just have not utilized Jaden mcgowan this season is in a is a fireable offense alone the the fastest player on the team maybe maybe would you most dynamic vanderbilt athlete since Keyshawn? Probably. Do you, do you, you don't use him. They used Darius Sims however they could. They used Casey Hayward however they could. They used DJ Moore however they could. And you cannot do that. I don't like Look, it's just it's what were we talking how about? How is he not utilized like Urban used Percy Harvin? How? How? I just it, it's look, I'm not saying that. I have the X's and O's answers. Okay. So maybe that's, this is hypocritical. I don't have the X's and O's answers, but it's also not my day job to have the X's and O's answers. You're not paid six figures. Yes. I'm not being paid high six figures to be unable to scheme open Vanderbilt's playmakers. If you allowed me to work on that 60 hours a week, I guarantee you I could scheme a, scheme a better offense than Joey Lynch has right now, mm-hmm. or at least the same amount of production. Yep. What I'm getting at is this game plan truly couldn't have been worse. Yep. You could have had any high school offensive coordinator in in the state of Tennessee scheme for this Ole Miss game, and it would have produced the same results that you saw from Vanderbilt in the first half. And you want to know what? Off uh, coaches vary on offensive philosophy. No offensive coach has the exact same offensive philosophy, but even somebody who runs a, a, a wing T triple option versus somebody that runs an air raid spread. They are both going to say the exact same things, even though they have different offensive philosophies. What is the best game plan on offense? Both coaches are going to say, get your playmakers the ball. You get your playmakers the ball. It doesn't matter if you run a triple smokes, like an old school smokestack offense. It doesn't matter if you run a Mike Leach or Josh Heupel offense. They are both going to say, get your yep. best guys the ball. And Joey Lynch refuses, not just this game, this whole season has refused to get the best playmakers the ball. Look, and it it, it can be refused or it can be unable. But it really doesn't matter what verbiage or adjectives or vernacular you use. He's been unable to do it. Yep. So it doesn't matter if he if he's listening to this, and Joey Lynch is probably not listening to this right now, but if anyone out there is like, well, that's not giving him enough credit. He's trying with X. He's trying with Y. He's trying with Z. Well, it's not working. Yep. So it doesn't matter. You failed. Yep. And you will probably be fired after this season. I would be utterly shocked if Joey Lynch is still the offensive coordinator after the season. If Joey Lynch is the offensive coordinator, I I, I won't be I will, attending. No, I will I was about to say I will boycott Vanderbilt. I will, I will not, not be, I if, will not attend to if Vanderbilt. If Joey Lynch game. is the offensive coordinator, I will not be in my season tickets that I have held since 2005. Yep. I will not be attending football games if Joey Lynch is still there. Yep. If Clark Lee's still there, good. Fine. Yeah, I think I he should be. There's stuff going on behind the scenes recruiting, recruiting NIL 
raising money from boosters, the entire construction project. There's a lot more to being the head coach. It's very simple with OC and DC. Yep. If you're not performing on offense and you're not performing on defense, it's time to make a change. Vanderbilt, it's time to make a change. And it's time to make a change with your mental health performance coach oh as well. Oh, my God. That because was the boys are not mentally performing well that was right now. They're mentally performing like shit. So that's time for a change as well. That was very embarrassing, that clip going around social media. That also, too. Vanderbilt tweeting out that clip oh with a heart, gosh. with heart emojis and tagging her in it. How, like, I, I've How actually, just, I've been a fan of what Vanderbilt's been doing with social media. It's yeah. gotten so much better. Yeah. So I don't take this as the throw away the whole, don't the throw baby the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, water. exactly. Don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. But how can you see that clip on the live broadcast? And then post that clip to your official football account with the on season Twitter. that the team is having. Yeah, you know what that's going to turn into. And if the person that tweeted that doesn't know what that's going to turn into on Twitter, they shouldn't have a job. Yeah. Uh, on to defense on the box score here. Langston Patterson looked like an absolute stud. Was He's ranked to the good. the PFF weekly All First Team or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, nine total tackles, four solo tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. Dericky Wright and Jalen Mahoney, both with seven total tackles. Savion Riley and Kane Patterson with six tackles each. Good to see Kane yeah, Patterson. Welcome back, Kane. Welcome back, Kane. He looked really, really he good did. for being back. Maybe play Langston and Kane more at the same same time. Yeah. That's that's maybe, just one uh, man's Maybe uh, let's uh, not play Ethan Barr. I don't know. Maybe that's just a no. That's just a, that's just a thought. Maybe um the guy who takes horrendous angles to the tackler. And also, if he does take a good angle and gets to the tackler, just can't bring him down. I don't know. Maybe that guy shouldn't play football. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Maybe so. Maybe so. Trevor, we still have our three key takeaways to get to, which will be more three key discussion points, I think. But before we get into all, get into those three key takeaways, I think it's about time for a TDR cocktail break. So grab yourself a cold one and get ready because these should be pretty fun if the first couple segments have not been entertaining enough. They don't have cold ones in hell, which is where we are attending or residing right now. It's now time for the still unsponsored TDR cocktail break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back from your TDR cocktail break. I really hope you have an ice-cold, delicious, alcoholic beverage next to you. But either way, I hope you have a delicious cold beverage next to you because you're going to need it to get through this segment that's going to be filmed in hell, basically. Hellfire is going to be raining down during these three key takeaways from the Ole Miss game, mm -hmm. which I want to call just three key storylines of the season or three key storylines of the future of the Vanderbilt football program because I don't think these are going to be necessarily individually tied to this Ole Miss game because I don't think we learned a lot no. about this Vanderbilt team. I think we learned everything we needed to know in the previous eight games, and this game against Ole Miss in game number nine was just reinforcing what we already knew. So, Trevor, anything you want to add before we get to uh, our key takeaways? What are you looking at over there? Oh, the garbage man. I heard somebody coming okay. down the stairs and it's the garbage man. That's Trevor. what I was looking at. <laughs> 
What's your uh, what's your key takeaway number one? Not from the season, but actually from today, and it plays into just how absolutely tone deaf Vanderbilt Athletics is from tweeting out things about a mental performance coordinator whenever Vanderbilt is having a very bad season to uh, threatening to take away my football tickets. I get an email tonight that even though I have paid my season tickets in full, and it is October 30th, Vanderbilt apparently is doing an in-house audit and says that I have a balance on my account. A balance that if I actually do have a balance, which I don't, but if I did, I would gladly pay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, But where my issue is, is threatening to take away my football tickets and freezing my account so that I cannot purchase basketball tickets. Vanderbilt, you are, how can, I, I get it. You need your money, whatever. You got a $6 million donation to the school today, whatever. I wish you would go to athletics. How are you threatening to take away tickets from fans? Diehard fans, fans that attend every single game, fans that watch away games every single game, fans that attend basketball, fans that attend baseball, fans that run a freaking podcast and don't get paid for it, and we have to talk about god-awful Vanderbilt football at the end of every Monday night after we just got done at our day jobs and for Will, his second job, and for me, school, and you're threatening to take away tickets. What are we doing? I had to get that off my chest that I got an email in the middle of class. The guy's like, call me. I call him immediately. Just doesn't answer his phone. I email him four times, like five minutes after I get an email from him. No response. Just a a nice little email from somebody at the Vanderbilt ticket office saying, hey, by the way, this, if you don't pay it, we're going to take away your Auburn ticket. So gun to your head, brother. Go ahead and pay the money. Ridiculous. Tone deafness. I always do like to point out ticket sales are important to the revenue of an athletics program, especially football season tickets. However, Vanderbilt and every university in the SEC in 2022, 2021, 2022 received $49.9 million in a revenue distribution check from the SEC. Vanderbilt's football stadium, the first First Bank Stadium currently, while under construction, missing a lot of seating capacity, seats 28,500 people. Vanderbilt's season ticket holders, probably eight to 10,000, maximum 10,000. Mm-hmm. Even if you divide out $49.9 million by every single seat in that stadium, that is $1,750 per seat in First Bank Stadium. And you're worried about a $204 discrepancy on an account for a football season ticket holder while sitting at two and seven, putting this dog shit product on the field and then threatening year to take away tickets. after year. You should be paying fans $204 per fucking game to go and sit through this shit. And you might have a better stadium crowd. If you're invoicing or running account reconciliations, that's literally what I do. Basically, uh, I'm in I'm in financial reporting, but that's what the accountants that work under me do is run account reconciliations. I get it. If you're a normal business, if you're a pro franchise and running account reconciliations for your PSL 
personal seat license or season take holders. I get it. If you're Vanderbilt football, should you really be discouraging fans from attending your games? They are (laughs) discouraging the few of us remaining that have powered through the few that actually care this embarrassment. There are like seven total tailgates in your parking lots. Mm -hmm. We are one of them just in general, even if we weren't, even if it's random Joe Schmo that shows up in black and gold six games a year, screw it. It's 200 bucks. If it's 200 bucks for every single season ticket holder, screw it. That's what pisses me off so much. And I'm not even mad. Like, I'll like I can afford the two hundred. It's the principle. It is the it is it is the threat. It is the emailing a fan and saying, "Pay this, or you're not allowed to come to Auburn. Pay this, or you're not going to be allowed to buy basketball tickets." Are just, we serious? Just and that's just that's not saying you haven't paid anything. That this is the difference. It's not like they looked at Trevor's account and said, "Oh, he hasn't made any payments, and we've still given him in season tickets. We screwed up. You yeah. owe." You owe the full season, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I never paid it. It's a discrepancy that they clearly have mischarged in some way. Yes. And even if every single season ticket holder, maybe that's 10,000 people, oh, $204 due to an account discrepancy. That's only $2 million bucks if you have 10,000 season ticket holders, which I don't mm-hmm. think they do. No. But that's only $2 million. That is 4% of just the revenue distribution check you received last year from the SEC. You are going to be receiving more this year, mm-hmm. and you're going to be receiving a lot more in the future. This is, I know it was, it's a normal business process. I get that. Yeah. It's just, just let it ride. And I that, mean, just understand that where you are as a program, and you need to be doing everything in your heart and soul you can possibly do to encourage current season ticket holders to attend games. Yep. That should be your number one priority as an admin related to fans. Yeah. Is football and basketball and baseball season ticket holders should be catered to. Yeah. Not individual game ticket fans. Yeah. That's the number one mistake Vanderbilt has been making for years. Absolutely. Is catering to the once a year fan and not catering to the very small amount but there are diehards, and mm-hmm. Candace Story Lee, for the most part, has done a better job of that. This is an example. They still have room to grow. And I'm not even mad about the mistake. I tweet this. I'm not mad at the pe- people make mistakes all the time. No big deal. The mistake doesn't bother me. Threatening to take away tickets and freeze accounts, dude. Come on. You've been. You have got. You guys have been putting out an awful product, like you said, year after year but still begging fans to come. And some of us do against our better judgment. And now you're like, you know what? Pay it. We're not going to let you in the ball game. Pay it. Or you can't, you can't even get tickets. I mean, geez. Guys, man, just use your brain. Self-destructive. You could have just said, hey, there's a balance. And I'd be like, hey, that's a mistake. We'll get it resolved. But being like, hey, there's a balance. Pay it. You can't go to more ball games. Jesus Christ. You can't guys. sit you can't sit through misery. Jesus. You're not allowed to go sweat your balls off in the non-air conditioned memorial gym against God. Presbyterian and the other three bye games at the beginning of the year. On a Tuesday. And you can't go watch Vanderbilt at two and seven go play Auburn. Oh no. Oh no, my stars. What Jeez. are you going to do? 
So that was your uh, key storyline, key takeaway number one. I had to get that because that's freshman. This, yeah, screw the Vanderbilt ticket off. Because I'm, I mean, I'm going to call them in the morning because they're going to respond to my four emails and my voicemail. I left them saying, "Hey, I just called you. I just got a voicemail two minutes ago. Now you're not answering my calls. It's going to be resolved. They're going to be like, "Oh, no big deal." But I'm going to be like, "Don't threaten fans." Don't poke the bear. Don't don't poke no. the TDR bear. You you emailed the wrong guy, pal. All right. I ended up ceasing. I ended up emailing my ticket rep, and I'm like, "Hey, bro, you need to talk." I'm not gonna say his name on air. You need to talk. It's not even my ticket rep. My ticket rep didn't even email me. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, you need to talk to this." Have guy. we thought about the possibility you're getting scammed? It, it, it was an <laughs> at Vanderbilt.edu, so it was a okay. real. It okay. was a real. That's why I was like, "Okay." You, do you need to send it in iTunes gift cards? <laughs> I don't want to say his name on here, but I got your. I'm not going to threaten you. You need to pay don't threaten two hundred two hundred and four dollars in prepaid visa to this Nigerian king. <laughs> yeah, or you need a gonna, wire transfer, or he's going to kill my son. I'm not even married. I don't have any kids. Like I have your son hostage. I'm like I don't have a kid. Well, I have your son hostage. I'm going to kill him, and you won't be able to go to Vanderbilt versus Auburn. That's kind of basically what they're doing: is holding your children hostage, saying you can't attend. This is a, this is the, this is the this only is the, thing the, keeping you my, alive. This is one of like my biggest loves in life. Like it truly is. And you're like, do it. You can't come anymore. Not just the football game. We won't let you come to any other ball games. Come on, guys. Okay, my key takeaway number one is not going to be as fun as yours. I don't think, but I think it was two episodes ago. Maybe it was three. You said something like this team has taken two steps forward and two steps back or three steps back. And I said, I think they've taken two steps forward and one and a half steps back. After this Ole Miss game, I'm officially on. They're back to square one. They're back to the starting point. The talent level that has increased is gone. I think there are some young guys that are freshmen or sophomores that can translate into good players. But it all starts with quarterback. Mm -hmm. And right now, this team has no clear path forward on this current roster at the quarterback position. That's not saying that there aren't rumors swirling around about a possible former five-star that could be transferring into Vanderbilt. It's a little bit too early to speculate on that. But if I put my tinfoil hat on, it makes a lot more sense if Vanderbilt expects a five-star transfer quarterback to come in to have A.J. Swan out with a quote-unquote, air quotes, elbow contusion, because everyone out there should know A.J. Swan has played four and a half games this season. He was injured in game number five. So if he's going to uh, transfer schools and possibly apply for a medical red shirt and not lose a year of eligibility to make the case for the medical red shirt after playing in four games, you would have to have consistent quotes from the head coach about the injury. And you would also have to have him not being dressed for a game late in the season when he's been dressed in previous games to add credence to your medical redshirt application. That math is math. I think there's probably, and I think it's been reported by some other sites, go pay for Vandy 24-7, Robbie Weinstein, if you want some insight into that a little bit. Yeah, he's not, gonna, he's not going to hold you a gun to your head and try and cancel your Vanderbilt season tickets he's just gonna say yeah come on in if you don't pay it no big deal i'll give you a grace period i paid in full i sent you the receipt trevor's hung up on this it's it's pissy it's making me more mad than it should but this team basically looks about the same that they did when clark lee took over i'm not saying clark lee took over 
good talent. He took over a shitty football team, a terrible program in a terrible place. This is still a terrible program in a terrible place in year three under Clark Lee. So I don't think he's driven them further into the ground. I think Derek Mason did all he could uh, to pile drive this program 30,000 feet under if it hadn't already done that to itself in the previous 40 years. I'm just losing faith overall that Clark Lee is going to be able to completely uproot a 50-year narrative. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm not saying he's not an intelligent man. I don't know if he's the personality to be the face of the program to turn around 50 years of failure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a broad key takeaway. Number one, it's not saying he's a bad coach. It's not saying he's an idiot. Like I feel about Joey Lynch is a bad offensive coordinator. That's not he, Joey Lynch is not a power five offensive coordinator. No, he's not. His, his scheme works fine in at Colorado state. Yeah. It were, it works fine in the Mac. It works fine at ball state. Mm-hmm. It will not and has not worked against power five sec competition so power five but let alone against the sec yeah the king of the power five but this team's back at square one all the talent that's currently here outside of cj taylor probably outside of langston patterson probably outside of junior cheryl and london humphreys most of the talent from this team the little bit of talent that's there is gone after this season so this better be a big offseason for this Vanderbilt program. On top of coaching staff turnover, they need to hit that transfer portal hard in a way that we have not seen any Vanderbilt program hit the transfer portal. I agree, and that plays into my key number two. Uh, once again, we're staying on, we're staying broad. Um, piggybacking off what you said, not a lot of re- talent returning, but you got to maintain that talent. And what Vanderbilt needs is they need some donors to step up. They need some donors who are going to write blank checks to Vanderbilt football. I get it. It's a lot of money for a bad program. It's not like it, but but this is how this is how sports works. It's specifically college sports. And this I firmly believe this. It is not when then I will support in terms of donors. You got to have the money then you can win. Vanderbilt needs big-time donors to step up, retain the talent that this team possibly could return, and also open up the checkbook to get talent in the portal. You need both. Vanderbilt needs both. I'm very, very happy with what they're doing with Vandy United and, and the construction. I think that's wonderful. I think the donors have stepped up in a big way. Vanderbilt needs big, big NIL money to compete in the SEC. If Vanderbilt does not get NIL support, big-time NIL support, Vanderbilt will never succeed, and that's just a fact. I should have pulled up that tweet, or this tweet from Chris Lee. Vandy Great tweet. Vandy Sports. Wonderful yes. tweet. Yeah, I'm going to try to pull it up right now, but VandySports.com, Chris Lee, Billy Derrick, Joey Dwyer, definitely subscribe to them as well. We give shout-outs to Vandy 24-7. Shout-out VandySports.com Yeah, as this well. was a wonderful tweet. I cannot get it pulled up on TDR. I'm trying. But ba- the basis of it is, mm-hmm. even though I don't have the exact tweet, is Chris Lee tweeted out that the equivalent of the talent gap is that every SEC program gets 12 picks. And then Vanderbilt gets two picks for the remainder of the rounds of the draft. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the SEC gets one pick, the remainder. Vanderbilt of the doesn't draft. start draft until the 12th round. Yeah. And Vanderbilt doesn't start drafting until the 12th round. That is really what it's like. Vanderbilt has a few guys that are SEC caliber, but overall, this talent just isn't there. So I, I think that's my key takeaway number two is related to yours. 
great with the Vandy United, great with the donor support for that, as I'm getting another thumbs up emote for whatever I'm saying. They like what I'm saying here on StreamYard. But everyone needs to keep in mind that Vanderbilt's starting behind the eight ball. Every other SEC program has a 40 to 50 year head start Uh on on where Vanderbilt is. So the stadium renovation, the huge investment in locker room upgrades and all that is awesome. That's great. That gets you still 10 years behind every other SEC program. That should have happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. There should have been at least 10 years ago. There should have been a huge stadium renovation. So you're just getting back to where now just the roster is mostly horrifically behind and fan support is horrifically behind donor money horrifically behind. So you fixed the stadium construction issues, but now NIL offers an entire different set of issues. And like you said, you have to invest and then you win. Mm -hmm. It's not win and then you invest. And right now, I think it was, I don't even know where I saw this. Maybe it was on three sports said most NIL collectives in the SEC are are at around $5 million of money. I think that's probably lowballing it, to be honest. And Vanderbilt's sitting right now with the Anchor Collective at $2.1 million. So it, it, you're not on a level playing field recruiting. You're not on a level playing field in the transfer portal. And that's with the entire Vandy Boys roster being signed to an NIL deal. Yeah. And Vanderbilt's still running behind that much of their SEC counterparts. So that's only gonna, that gap is only going to get bigger when Texas and Oklahoma join. It only takes... 10 donors, 10 big money donors right now mm-hmm. that could change the entire landscape of Vanderbilt athletics. Mark Cuban's daughter, I believe, goes to Vanderbilt currently. Jeff Bezos' daughter goes to Vanderbilt. Right now, they could have one small little business expense of $15 million, $10 million. That's not small, but for them, it's small. Yeah. $10 million. And you could have, in three years, a competing in the SEC football team. Mm-hmm. If you had a donor with that type of money, that would be willing to invest That's all it takes. That's all it takes, especially in the NIL era. So it really is right now. Vanderbilt's staff is worse than the rest of the SEC. And truly to take a little bit of the weight off the shoulders of the staff, the overall talent on this roster, as I've hit on every single episode is so far behind the rest of the SEC, the chasm between Vanderbilt and the rest Vanderbilt's so much closer to a Mac team than they are an SEC program Mm -hmm. right now. And that's just where this program is. And before you can truly address or fix the problem, you have to be able to state the problem. And right now, Vanderbilt's just not an SEC football program. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My key number three, going back into the coaching staff talk, the coordinators are going to be gone. It's just, we we don't know for certain, but if they're not gone, then you got to go ahead and you got to fire Clark Lee because he's shown that he's loyal to a fault. Um, On that note, Clark Lee is going to have to change his ethics. He's going to have to change his moral compass. You cannot hire yes men. You cannot, you cannot hire guys that are just going to agree with you. that are going to agree with every little philosophy that you have. You have to bring in the best guys. And if they think that something is working, you got to let them try it. You cannot just continue to bring in yes men. You cannot continue to bring in guys that only retain their jobs because they are loyal to you. You need to bring in guys that will disagree with you and that will say, hey, this is not working. We need to try this. And you've been continuously loyal to your staff. You've been loyal to players who honestly should not be seeing the field. 
you, you got I, I understand loyalty is a great ethic to have. The loyalty that Clark Lee has to certain staff members and to certain players is detrimental and is setting Vanderbilt football back. I get it. You want to be a nice guy. Sometimes you got to show some teeth if you want to win. So bring in some guys that are going to disagree with you. Bring in guys who are qualified for the job. Even if they don't disagree. Don't just bring in guys who like you, who like your philosophy, who are going to continue this sort of mantra. Bring in guys who are qualified for the job. Bring in winning candidates. Bring in winning players. Play the best talent you have regardless. That is my key number three. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this. My key number three, it, it was going to be about, uh, the actual title was going to be something like, Clark needs to bring in some Louie luggage and a reference mm-hmm. to Deion Sanders. So you kind of hit on that is it, it's time to not be Mr. Nice Guy. Yep. But my key number three is going to be, it's time to not be Mr. Nice Guy. It's awesome you want to be a family-oriented program, Clark. Horrible decision having your kid next to you on the sideline with where this program is. I would do just optic wise. I would do dirty, nasty things to have a halftime speech or have a locker room presence from my head coach like Kirby Smart in 2021 against Florida. And I'm going to play this and hope everyone can hear it. I still remember, I still remember like yesterday. I still remember like yesterday walking out of the suspicion I have. The look, the look, the look and the feeling I had. Looking at Titan, looking at Stokes, looking at those guys. You know what, guys? Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you and we look at how we play. It's zero to fucking zero, and you make them never want to play again. All that shit they're talking, I love it, Jamar. You didn't say shit. You don't say shit to them. You just laugh and point the scoreboard. Let me get a picture, JD, pointing the first scoreboard. Don't say shit! That mentality, the don't take shit, look up at the scoreboard, just point at the fucking scoreboard. I get it, Clark. You're a nice guy. I I think you do have fire when it is necessary behind closed doors. There needs to be more. There needs to be more fire. Stop pulling out the stupid sheet of paper and writing down notes during the game and show some fire. It might not be your natural persona, but nothing pisses off a fan base more than having the Bryce Drew calm clap on the sideline when clearly your program is imploding mm-hmm. and clearly things are going poorly. That's fine to be that stoic presence when things are going smoothly, but there are certain moments when players need to have somebody get in their fucking face and give them a dose of reality. And the dose of reality right now is this team sucks. And every single player across the board is underperforming. Even your talent, maybe not Langston Patterson. Maybe that's the only guy mm-hmm. that right now is not underperforming. Even your stars that have statistically put up decent numbers this year, like Will Shepard, are underperforming their potential. Every single player outside of C.J. Taylor and Langston Patterson are underperforming what I think they are capable of. And that's not saying this is a supremely talented team. And this is a team that would be winning nine games if everybody performed to their highest level. But whatever the approach is right now from Clark Lee is not working. So it's time to change some things. And that's that's what I don't know about Clark Lee yet is, is he willing to change? Is he willing to change his core philosophy on how this program is run? If he is able to do that, gut the staff, 
restart from basically square one with a little bit more momentum, a little bit more talent, a little bit more institutional investment, and he can reshape his persona and reshape this program. I'm not completely off Clark Lee being the head coach of this program, but I haven't seen anything from him yet that has shown he is capable of that. So that's my key takeaway number three in a long-winded way. Why is your son standing on the sideline next to you at two and six against Ole Miss getting your ass kicked and you're just writing down on a sheet of paper, Clark? Let's see some fire. Let's see some change. Let's see something in these last three games to build the smallest, tiniest, itsy-bitsiest amount of momentum heading into the offseason because right now I don't see a lot of hope on the horizon. No, and and, and I know we love the romanticized James Franklin era, but one of my most favorite James Franklin moments – is the 2011 Georgia game, a fight after the game happened, and at James Franklin's press conference, he went up to the microphone and said something along the lines of, this Vanderbilt team, this Vanderbilt program will not take shit anymore. This Vanderbilt team is not going to be the lovable losers anymore. That mantra is out at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is going to fight. Vanderbilt is going to show grit. Vanderbilt is going to show their teeth, and they are not going to back down from anyone. Say what you want about Derek Mason. I think Derek Mason had a little bit of that too. Yeah, after after games, he's letting people know Vanderbilt is here. Vanderbilt is not going to back down. Vanderbilt is going to talk the talk. Even though they couldn't walk the walk sometimes, Vanderbilt is going to talk and they're not going to back down and they're going to let you know that they're here to play football. And Vanderbilt has regressed back to the Bobby Johnson 2000s in the 90s era to where Vanderbilt is the lovable losers, to where people look at Vanderbilt and they're like, man, I hope they do good. They seem like nice guys. No, Vanderbilt needs to bring the fire back. Vanderbilt needs to know you cannot push Vanderbilt around anymore. Vanderbilt is not the the the, the classy program that's like, oh, yeah, like uh, we're just a bunch of nice guys. You're smart school. No, you got to let the dogs lose. The hard. most disrespectful thing possible for an opposing coach is after the game or before the game talking about how tough the team played or how well coached the team is yep. or how they're doing the most they can with the circumstances they're in. That is so much more disrespectful than just saying, I hate that dude. Yeah. Because it's layered in the niceness, yeah. the lovable losers. Yep. I, I love that phrase. That is what I'm afraid Clark Lee is, is he's a lovable loser. Mm -hmm. And, I want to see something out of him that changes that. I think it was 2012 against Tennessee, and they pulled off the revealed episode, but James Franklin during halftime the saying, boats are burning. the boats are burning. There's no turning back. Like the, Clark has to have a little bit of that in him. I just haven't seen it yet. So I think that's me and Trevor's three key takeaways, very long-winded, very broad, but there are a lot of issues within this Vanderbilt football program right now. I think it's about time to get to this very quick and brief Auburn preview and predictions, which won't be much of a preview. No, because I think we're pretty broken. Yeah, I, I, even even a god awful Auburn team coming in is gonna is gonna have their way with this Vanderbilt team. I also feel bad. I've dropped a lot of f bombs, and I'm also <laughs> like unrelated. My nose is itchy because of allergies. I guess the weather's gotten a lot colder. I'm not on any uppers right now. I'm just fired up, and my nose is itchy. I pinky promise everyone out there. <laughs> This is just a bad coincidence if you're watching. <laughs> but Vanderbilt, last home game of the year, plays Auburn 3 p.m. kick, SEC Network. Auburn is currently 4-4, four and 1-4 four, four in conference. Vanderbilt, I think, opened up as a 13-point underdog. Mm -hmm. I think that's gone down to 12 and a half. 
on some sports books. The over-under sitting at 49 points. Being a 13-point underdog at home against Auburn tells you pretty much everything you need to know about this current season. Yeah, I agree. A bad offense coming in. If you would have told me that Vanderbilt was close to a two-touchdown underdog as I burped against this Auburn team heading into this season, I would have laughed because I knew Auburn wasn't going to be very good, and I expected Vanderbilt to not be the embarrassment that they are, clearly being the 14th out of 14 team in the SEC. But they are, and that's where this Vanderbilt team is. Auburn has not been great this year by any stretch of the imagination. We might possibly later in the week, I kind of doubt it, have an interview with somebody from Auburn about their roster as a little bonus episode. I'm really doubting it. We'll have a bigger preview for the South Carolina game. But Auburn, the only really comparable matchup they have, Auburn lost by seven points to Ole Miss two weeks ago, lost 28-21. to They also lost to Georgia by seven points, 27-20. This Auburn team, in my opinion, is clearly better than Vanderbilt, even though they're not very good. I don't have high hopes for this Saturday. No, no, none whatsoever. Let's go ahead and get into predictions, Trevor, because I don't, I don't really have the passion inside of me to dig into this. The only thing I will say is Auburn, not a good passing team, averages 160 yards passing per game. Not a good passing team. No. Vanderbilt, for example, averages 242 yards passing per game. They're a run-first football team. They average more rushing yards than they do passing yards per game. That's about as into this uh, preview as I'll get. Yeah. What's your prediction there, Trevor? My prediction, bad Auburn offense versus a bad Vanderbilt defense. I think this is going to be the ugliest game of the season in terms of uh, just not good football on either sides of the ball from either team. Uh, I'm going to predict a Vanderbilt loss. I think Auburn leaves Nashville victorious at a final score of 24 to three. Ooh, three points. Yeah. Depends on the quarterback. I'm going to say right now, I think they probably start Walt Taylor. I don't know how they justify starting Ken after the way they did him. Um, if Ken starts, I'll say 24-7. If Walt starts, I'll say 24-3. The offense is – this is the part with all the changes at quarterback is the offense is clearly so much worse than it was at the beginning of the year. The offense has gotten so much worse than it was even against Kentucky with three horrific interceptions from A.J. Swan. The offense is still worse now than it was then. So the changes they've made in season have only have had negative effects. My prediction is relatively similar to yours, Trevor. 27 to 7. Well, I think Auburn comes out victorious. Their offense is horrible, but Vanderbilt's offense is horribler. Yeah. And so I think the offense continues to regress. I think they do punch one in like they did against Ole Miss, but I don't think this game. I, I think Auburn leads from the beginning to the end, yeah. kind of similar to Ole Miss. Not as big of a blowout in the first half. I think Auburn goes into half something like 14 or 17 to 3 or nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is kind of more of the same. I just don't have much excitement. I think this is going to be a boring game that Vanderbilt loses in boring fashion. Yep, I agree. We what, lock them in on the Zens, though. What did I say, 27 to 7? I said 24-3. They're locked in. Trevor, anything to add to episode 246 before we close out this depressing episode? I guess we'll see if I'm at the Auburn game or if Vanderbilt bans me. We are in hell. We are in eternal purgatory. November 7th cannot get here soon enough. For myself, Will Byram, and my co-host Trevor Hewlin, this has been episode 246 of the Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.